Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And if you followed this show for a while, then you surely know about the work of the mysterious Tom Frillock. He is a powerful psionics wizard and superhero, only seen wearing his mask. And yes, it's a scary-looking black mask that looks something like Darth Vader's brother might wear. And yet, Frillock is actually a gentle, thoughtful magician who helps people all over the world, but I wouldn't want to cross him, I'll tell you that. I met him in person in 2018 when I traveled to Wisconsin for the Psionics Gathering, documented in my short film called Wishmasters, and you can watch it for free on YouTube, or just go to wishmastersmovie.com. Vrilok is the head of the Psionic Brotherhood, and he's lived around the world and written numerous books, complete with wonderful, entertaining, comic book-style illustrations. He's frequently creating new radionics and psionics devices. Thus, he is the inventor of the original Miraculous Prayer Board. And tonight, he joins us from his current base on the west coast of the United States. His name is spelled V-R-I-L-O-C-K. And his website is Vrilock.com, and it's a great honor to say, Mr. Tom Vrilock, my friend, welcome to the show. Hello, Joshua. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor to be on your podcast. Well, it's about time. We have talked about so many topics over so many years, and uh, people are just absolutely fascinated with you and the work that you do. You know, you are a, a famous wizard but you keep a secret identity. Uh, tell us about that. Why do you wear the mask? Well, I, you know, I liked how you started the opening about Darth Vader's brother, a mask that he might wear, because I was actually thinking quite a lot about that. Um, I view Darth Vader as sort of a fatherly figure, albeit he's the villain in the Star Wars film, but I believe that George Lucas was really writing a story about a um, a family uh, issue going on. And so wouldn't it be nice to sit down and be able to actually speak to Darth Vader, provided he's not going to take his lightsaber out, you know, and get, you know, funky with you or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the mask is, uh, it's really uh, a blend of the things that I like, you know, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, G.I. Joe. Uh, there was an old uh, cartoon, a sci-fi cartoon called Thundar the Barbarian. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Oh, yeah. And uh, of course, Batman and the Black Manta and so on. So I, I sort of wear that mask as a way to I don't know, immortalize myself and then approach people with um, uh, a character that they can get into and then better get into the stuff I'm into. And uh, psionics being what I'm into can become very complicated. So the more you enjoy it, working with psionics, the better. So thus the mask, you know. It makes a lot of sense to me. You know, we were talking in Wisconsin about the fact that people often get distracted by trivial aspects of engaging with another person. Uh, and so you kind of remove a lot of those distractions by wearing the mask. 
and it allows people to think more about the words that you're saying and the concepts that you're putting out there. And I find it is a great tool for helping people visualize abstract things. So there is a practical purpose there, and, and it's, I think it's important for everybody to know that. Now, of course, um, what does the name Vrilok mean? Well, the name Vrilok means Vril and magic. It's also a poke at the word uh, warlock, which is sort of a derogative word for male witch, uh, which I'm neither one, really. Uh, Vril, I chose that name uh, as part of Vrilok because my former mentor's own personal teacher was connected to a Vril society. And so that's where I first heard about the word Vril. Uh, Vril is basically the life force of the gods, as, as they say in the, in the northern magic system. And at the time, when I chose the name Vrilok, um, of course I did an extensive keyword search to see if anybody else on the internet was using that name um, about, a, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. Uh, I was working with uh, the runes and Norse magic at, you know, to do something new. Because I had worked with psionics for so many years, I had reached a point where I was sort of bored with it. And I wanted to try some uh, other types of magic and uh, uh, things that are outside of the, oh, I don't know, the Western view of magic, um, working with grimoires and uh, sigils, where the magic is more externalized. And so... Whereas Vril is different, is it's more of an internalized um, form of magic, I suppose. So Vrilok yeah, means Vril and magic. Okay, makes perfect sense. And and, and you know, uh, your life story is so vast and dynamic and multifaceted. We could talk for hours about it, but you've been around the world. And sort of in a nutshell, um, give us an overview of, of where you were born and sort of what your journey has been that led you to where you are right now. Well, um, as far as uh, how that got me into psionics, I'm not sure if it was by coincidence or uh, accident. Um, I discovered a relationship with elect electrically powered devices at home at a very early age. So... I was born, I'm a native of California, and um, I, at, at the age of six, my family moved overseas to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and we lived there roughly about, oh, two and a half years. Um, while there, uh, we went on many different ex excursions and um, uh, explorations uh, uh, deep into the earth, out into the open desert. Um, we went to camel races. And, and so I also attended an international school. So I was exposed to a variety of cultures and um, nationalities from all around the world at a very, very young age. And this, this ten, you know, it opened up my mind to a, a wide variety of people and their different views, um, you know, spiritual beliefs and, and that sort of thing. Uh, whereas my um, contact with the invisible world, if you want to call it that, um, that started actually at a very, very early age. I can remember as far back as, I think I was about nine months 
old or nine months of age, and my mother was giving me a bath in the kitchen sink. And there was a woman standing next to her with long black hair. And my, my mother didn't seem to recognize that this woman was there. They never spoke. And uh, later I'd asked my mom about that experience and uh, being surprised that I remembered it. She said, yes, that happened. You were about nine months of age and I would bathe you in the kitchen sink. And I asked her about this woman and she said, no, but uh, my father or my grandfather had a sister who had committed suicide who matched the description that I gave her. So I was already saying things um, that other people weren't seeing, and I know that sounds funny. Uh, the other thing that uh, caught my parents' attention was I, I had fits of deja vu, um, exponentially so, until one day uh, I got up and I was crying in the morning as a toddler and uh, my mother asked me what was wrong and I said I've lived this life before everything keeps happening um, you know I wake up and, and, and th events are happening and um, you know I felt very confused so my mother took me to a palm reader and uh, you know the story from there goes on to talk uh, I could talk about that a bit, but um, uh, it, it goes into many personal aspects of my life where I was going to come into contact with different kinds of spirits and things. But no, it was my my journey abroad to Saudi Arabia actually really piqued my um, my experience with the invisible world um, because on during one excursion there, for which I had many. Um, I, I had come to a clearing on the other side of these dunes and I, I had sort of walked away from camp and I had done so because I heard children's voices and so I thought well there must be other kids out here and um, so I went to find these voices and I didn't find any children um, but a voice said over here and uh, Originally, the, the words were in some other language that I was hearing, but I heard a voice say over here, and I looked, and there was a dust devil coming towards me. So I stood out in the open, and this dust devil hit me. Sand went up in my nose and ears, and I had this static field around me. And then I heard again over here, and I looked over, and there's this colossal dust devil coming at me. So I ran up that you know sand dune and got out of there. Um, but on some other uh, occasions, um, I remember sitting out on top of a rock in the desert and it felt like a hand came down from the sun and touched me on my head. And then I could hear the sound or the voices of children out in the uh, open desert. Um, in, in other um, adventures, uh, I went underground and uh, came into contact uh, with entities of some kind, I don't know what to call them, but I was following a light that I assumed was a torch light and uh, came around the bend underground and there was nobody there. And I heard laughing and uh, sniffing and different sounds and I, I ran out of there really quick. So. Uh, there were a number of supernatural events that happened in my life, 
um, that led up to uh, certain realizations, um, including an encounter with uh, what might have been uh, what people call a psychic vampire. And that uh, during that, what might have been an attack, I'm not really sure, uh, I remember being paralyzed. And at that point, I became aware of my aura significantly. I think I was about 14 years of age. And when I did become aware of my aura, and my mind basically freed from my body because I couldn't move, um, I was able to manipulate that energy around me and push this entity off of me. Now, my mother came into the room and interfered with whatever was going on between me and this entity. And the entity became very upset and started shaking the house from its foundation. So we, we were in, it was almost like an earthquake. We were slammed with uh, violent winds hitting the house, almost as if we were in the uh, middle of a maelstrom. But as uh, this entity became enraged, um, because my, my mother was uh, reciting something from the Bible to try to make this entity go away. At some point, I stood up and looked up at the ceiling where it was banging around in the attic, and I said, leave us alone and go away. I'm done with you. At that point, the, the storm ceased. But what was interesting from this encounter is right after that, the next morning, I got up went outside and I could see what looked like auras around the vines that were hanging uh, around the sides of the house outside. Then I looked at my hands and it looked like I was wearing sort of an invisible glove around my hands uh, with sort of like trails of mist uh, coming out of it. And at some point after that, I discovered um, uh, basically an ability to call winds to myself or, or exacerbate the wind and make it do things uh, with my thoughts or, or feelings um, after that encounter. But the, you know, I hate to jump around like this um, because it's such a long story, but uh, jumping back to when I was a little, little boy, I first discovered... Um, my relationship to kinetics, I, I might call it, or, or energy that's in motion, uh, I discovered my ability to sense that around electronic devices at home, which I, I was always tinkering with. I was the type of kid that I would take apart the phone and my mom would go to call grandma and be really upset. And, uh, of course, my parents put up with that until I tried to take apart my father's television and uh, that really upset him, of course, uh, but uh, I digress. I, I first uh, discovered the power of radionics by accident, really. It was with a uh, home radio kit or a crystal radio kit of some kind when I was a kid. My mom was making meatloaf for dinner, and she had it in the oven. So I, I turned some dials on the radio, and I was thinking, my mom's going to make pizza tonight. That's what I want. I want pizza for dinner. And I was manipulating the dials on the radio. And lo and behold, my mom burned the meatloaf in the oven. 
So my uh, stepfather said, hey, how about I go out and get pizza for dinner? So I looked over at my little brother and I said, hey, you see, we're having pizza for dinner. What would I tell you? <laughs> you know? But um, it, it, it's kind of similar to my, uh, my mentors beginning in uh, uh, Charles Cosimano, I should say. Uh, his beginning in uh, radionics started back in, uh, I think, the 1950s is when he started uh, manipulating uh, radios and uh, that sort of thing, or biofeedback uh, uh, equipment. Um, but we, we both kind of stumbled upon uh, radionics uh, sort of by accident, maybe. You might call it that. I, I think originally... Uh, Charles Cosimano had uh, given him, he'd learned to give himself a fever with this little biofeedback machine. And uh, he, so he could take uh, days off from school by raising his body temperature, by looking at uh, a meter on a screen. I think it had a little electrode that went on the wrist or something like that. I'm not sure. But I, I discovered radionics very similarly, and it, it was really just... Uh, messing with radios and televisions and, and realizing that the mind somehow interfaces with um, energy that's in motion, whether it's the wind or, or if it's electronics, uh, in some cases maybe even mechanics or other people's bodies even. Well, now, you, you have lived in various places around the world. You spent uh, years in Japan, for example. Uh, having insight from so many different cultures regarding spiritualism and magic, in a nutshell, speaking to you know, the average person on the street, um, what is magic? How do you define that? What is this thing? Well, magic works on many levels or levels of reality. Um, I, I wouldn't really be able to say exactly how it works. I, I could dive off into a real deep area about that. Um, I think that beyond our conceptions of the universe, there is already something that already is. Um, it's not a thing, but it's not nothing. We sometimes refer to this as the all, or William Walker Atkinson, who was um, a uh, pioneer in the uh, New Thought Movement back in the early 1900s, had coined um, the phrase uh, the all. I, I call it the cosmic all, um, because we're always looking outwards. You know, when, when we're thinking of big ideas, we're looking outwards, out into space, looking at the stars. Uh, humankind has always looked out to the stars uh, sort of for guidance or for answers or inspiration, uh, even in romance. Uh, so magic might be um, really the art of a technology that isn't quite science. I guess that's really not too hard to fathom, really, because science is really, um, it's one of man's uh, conceptions of, of how to do things, how to work things out, how to um, study repeatability. So magic might just be a, a very natural technology, and we can apply it to just about anything, whether we are working with simple meditation or if we're working with us 
herbs and stones, uh, crystals, or if we're working with technology, uh, such as radios, radionics, wishing machines, uh, prayer boards, uh, wands, and so on. But I find that enjoyment is the key to making magic work. It always seems to work so much better if we enjoy it. Then, of course, there is the discipline part. Um, in my Verloc New Thought movement, in my psionic brotherhood, we practice the discipline of focused concentration. Uh, usually with small objects, and my own preference is working with an obsidian ball, uh, preferably. Magic, essentially, by its definition, is really the, um, the change of conformity by will. And I'll, I'll rest right there. Sure. Well, now, if, if someone out there listening to us right now finds all of this psionics, radionics, magic business interesting, but doesn't actually believe it's real. Is there something simple you can suggest for that person to do that will help him or her realize this is real, some kind of a simple experiment or exercise? Oh, boy, that is a good question. Um, yes. Um, one of the first things I started out with in magic is dowsing with a pendulum. And the reason why this is important, it's important for a number of reasons if you're going to progress into psionics, but for somebody who's never worked with magic before, someone who's not familiar with the various systems that are out there in the world of magic, dowsing with a pendulum yields results fairly quickly. And it can help us establish a relationship to our subconscious mind where that is the territory where a lot of this magic stuff works. I mean, we set up magic with the conscious mind, but a lot of it's working on other levels of reality, other levels of mind. So uh, having a pendulum, which is basically a pointed weight on a length of string, and asking this pendulum to show... Uh, show you the answer to certain questions. We would start out with asking the pendulum, show me the swing for yes, show me the swing for no, and so on. And uh, then asking the pendulum questions to which you already know the answers to, such as, is my name Tom? Is my name Joshua? And the pendulum will swing, holding the pendulum, of course, without trying to move it. Uh, we will see that the subconscious mind is capable of moving the involuntary muscles in the arm to spell out answers for us. So that's one thing that people can do. Um, there are other exercises we can try. Um, of course, uh, thinking of something that we want to dream about before going to bed, uh, that's another exercise of magic. Um, sending a thought to somebody else is an easy enough uh, experiment as well. I mean, there are many, I suppose, really. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. You know, it's a very basic way of becoming comfortable with that mind-body environment interface and realizing that you're not just some isolated thing. And, and as a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and throw in a quick plug. Of course, anybody who's interested in some of the options for introducing, you know, techniques should definitely check out my uh, ebook, Finding Your Magic. 
uh, at oh. my curiosity shop there. And it's, it's got – because everybody's a little different. That's what I found, and I know you have as well. Some people connect more, Tom, with uh, radionics because they like buttons and dials and switches. Some people don't like that, and they connect more with, with a, a magic wand. They like to have a rod or a stick, or somebody else might not like either of those things and prefers to meditate and just use the force. And there are different personality types that seem to connect more or less with different methods. And you've experimented with a lot of different methods and styles, and I know you've manifested a lot of impressive stuff over the years. But when I was interviewing you for the Wishmasters movie, I asked you, uh, to give me an example of something really significant that you're most proud of. And the first thing that came to mind was what you did with a super typhoon. Uh, would you mind recounting that, please? Sure. Um, yes, absolutely. That was um, while I was in Japan. Um, I forget what year that was. If that was 2011, maybe. Um, when we had that super type, oh, that was actually Fukushima uh, Daiichi disaster. Boy, I was there from 2009 to um, about 2014, made a trip back to the States and back to Japan until um, about 2016. Looks like I'm going to guess that, yes, that's right, 2014. Yeah, yeah okay. so what happened is um, there was a super typhoon coming in, and I didn't really pay too much attention to typhoons at the time because we, we had them once in a while, or, or frequently enough, I should say. But there was one coming in that was monstrous, and uh, my wife brought it up to my attention, so I, I took a look at it. And there was this little um, article or, or, uh, or it might have been a tweet online from NASA that said this typhoon, uh, super typhoon Neoguri commands respect. And I took one look at that thing and I said, holy, you know what, we cannot let this thing hit us. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, well, what can I do about that? Well, I had this instrument that I was experimenting with. I had designed uh, sort of an, in, uh, an instrument which worked with psychometry, which is um, reading objects by touch. Well, I was trying to make an instrument which would reverse this where it would put the power of touch into objects. And uh, so I was working with um, you know, various kinds of familiar spirits and servitors or what you might call minions. Um, but what I noticed is that at the center of this instrument, the hexagram on the prayer board produced something very interesting when holding a pendulum over its center. And that is, it would produce no swing, um, which indicated that uh, the energy at the center of the hexagram is a balanced energy. So I thought, by extension, would it not be possible to play around with the torque of a super typhoon remotely by placing an image of that typhoon in the center of this hexagram on the prayer board, the first prayer board design that I, I came up with? And... Um, so I did that, and it took me about um, about five days of working with the prayer board um, on Super Typhoon Neoguri, and then reaching out to the core of that typhoon and reducing its torque, and then bending it so that it would change its course and just sort of uh, graze the uh, coast of Tokyo. 
Well, interestingly enough, right after that typhoon, we had a typhoon Halong coming straight at us. I didn't take notice of it right away, and, and um, when I did, it was a little late to start working on uh, that sort of project because it can take some days to uh, uh, bend these typhoons uh, using the prayer board. So I got down on my knees and put my hands straight out in front of me, and, and I remembered that day that um, that entity had come to me hitting the house with the wind, and I reached out with my aura towards Typhoon Halong, and I visualized a rainbow bridge. The result was that as I reached out trying to sense the kinetic energy and raise that typhoon up, the typhoon went so high into the atmosphere above uh, the mainland of Japan that when I stepped out that day to look up at the sky, I saw a tiny spiral of cloud above us on a beautiful I mean, beautiful, gorgeous sky blue day. There was this beautiful still life artwork in the sky. It was just a little spiral going right above us, not even moving. Then it, it touches back down in the ocean north of Japan, and it's headed towards, I, I think, Siberia or something. But, um, yeah, that's, that's um, what really got me into working with this prayer board is when I saw those type of results. And I've done this for about, so well, I was in Japan for about 40 typhoons. Um, we recently worked on Hurricane Dorian um, through, through my psionics club. I had a few of our club members working on that. And uh, boy, for uh, storms coming after that one, they, they just didn't want anything to do with Florida. <laughs> you know, sort of avoided yeah. that coastline. Uh, but we, there were some there were some casualties with um, I think when that storm Dorian went up towards uh, North Carolina or Virginia I think that there was some damage but not quite as extensive as they would have expected it to be. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it, it's well, possible. It's all very possible. And I know you've done some projects, you know, working with others to collectively try to deflect some of these storms, and I think it's important that. We try to do more of that uh, as time goes on, and, and that's something we can definitely discuss. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Miraculous Prayer Board. How did you invent the Miraculous Prayer Board? Oh, okay. Um, I had always found that um, – well, let's talk about psionics for a minute. Um, psionics uses certain, um, we might call peripherals that we hook up into radionic units, such as a uh, psionic amplifying helmet, um, or I believe like you have a hookup for a magic wand that can plug into one of your wishing machines, am I correct? Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. Yes, and so um, these would be peripherals. Um, I've, I've often found that working with my hands, tends to yield some more powerful results for some operations. So I needed to build an instrument that I could get my hands on and sit comfortably with this instrument in my lap. So I, I determined a board would be the best instrument. And so I made some electrodes on that board. And when it, when it came to designing a centerpiece, I wanted a pattern that would take the energy coming from my hands and bring it into a balanced sort of uh, energy fixture, if you will, 
So that's really where the design concept of a miraculous prayer board came from, is working with something harmonious and balanced. But why that particular pattern came to me is I had, I had always had visions of this Star of David since I was a kid, um, you know, followed by images coming at me, basically beaming at me from the constellation of Orion. And uh, so I've always been into star systems um, since I was very young. It seemed that this image was given to me uh, for a purpose. Um, some higher spiritual purpose, and uh, that's really why I developed the Miraculous Prayer Board, is uh, to give the average person an instrument that they can work with without having to know really anything about magic at all. Well, it's been a really big hit, and you know, after I met you, I got your blessing to make my version of the Miraculous Prayer Board, which has been a big seller in the Curiosity Shop at, at JoshuaPWarren.com. And I was so happy when we met and I showed you the version that I came up with, and you loved it. You approved of it. So how would you compare your original prayer board to the Miraculous Prayer Board that I have in my shop? Um, your Miraculous Prayer Board is slick and elegant and it's of a size that's comfortable for a lot of people, plus it's portable, very portable, whereas mine's a little bit longer. I think mine's um, 18 inches by 7 inches, so it's a, uh, it's a little bit of, uh, it's not something that you could really pack up in a duffel bag, or you, maybe you could, but not in a laptop case, whereas yours is um, very portable. Now, bringing that up, I was going to say, I myself experimented with stacking your prayer board on top of my prayer board and working with it that way and found that this gives the prayer board a powerful boost. Interestingly enough, I'm not the only person who thought of that. I had club members contacting me saying, I've been doing the exact same thing. Funny enough, I was working with your emerald wand and the Miraculous Prayer Board by resting the emerald uh, wand on the uh, hand contact plate and then placing my hand gently over that. And I shared this with club members, and one of my club members got back to me saying, I've been doing that with two wands on my Miraculous Prayer Board and Joshua's Miraculous Prayer Board stacked on top. So I thought, two wands, hey, you know, that's actually a good idea. I'm going to try that. So... It's definitely something that's evolving into uh, new magic like we've never seen before. Oh, yeah. I See, I haven't even tried that. I, I You were so nice to send me two of your big original prayer boards when we first started corresponding, and I was immediately manifesting all kinds of great stuff with them. I think I told you the first thing I did being in Vegas, I went to the casino and won more money and, at the craps table than I'd ever won. And um, so I, I hate to reduce everything down to gambling, but I have found that these prayer boards are, are quite good at that, at helping you with that. Uh, but anyway, so it's so wonderful that, you know, you can come up with a design for something. Somebody else can come up with a design. Other people can take these things and contribute their own designs. And we start sort of building 
the pieces of a, of a larger product here. And who knows just how far it can go, but we're able to help each other and experiment more and more with what is more or less effective. And since you know so many different techniques, I mean, I kind of think of you as, as sort of like a chaos magician. That's how I think of myself. You experiment with a lot of different things. Um, what is what is your daily routine like? I mean, most of the time when you get up, what does your day look like? Um, well, my first thing to do in the day, uh, well, I've moved around a lot, so it has changed um, my routine and schedule a bit. But uh, the first thing I'd ordinarily do uh, during any given day is get up and reach out and touch the sky and draw energy from the sun down into my body. Then I might go and sit and work with um, some selected runes for the day, uh, typically working with a rune like Wunyo, which essentially means joy, and projecting this from my forehead before me while thinking, I am clearing a path and I am creating harmonious joy before me. So wherever I'm going to go throughout the day, I'm going to have harmonious joy with me. And this does tend to make people um, around me uh, experience what I'm projecting. And uh, it, we can really change our reality that way. Uh, essentially, I get up and I do my various meditations throughout the day. I might make some adjustments to uh, my radionics or what, what you call wishing machines and uh, that sort of thing. And then, of course, I do what normal, ordinary people do. I, I walk the dogs, uh, you know, uh, feed the chickens, that sort of thing. We have, we have a couple chickens over here. And uh, I do some gardening, that sort of thing. That's pretty much my typical day. And, and then, of course, I have my business, which, wow, that's, that's all around the clock. Uh, pretty much I'm working, writing, recording, answering questions from club members, uh, some questions from the general public once in a while. And I'm, I'm always just thinking and, and working mostly. Uh, my joy in life is really this business of reaching out and helping people, which if you don't mind uh, talking about how psionics changes our lives, I might have a little bit to say about that. Yeah, please. Let's hear it. Okay. Well, I think that psionics changes our position in the universe um, mostly, maybe even fundamentally. It, it, psionics puts individuals in a position of having some real power for a change. At least we can have uh, a greater degree of control or influence over the events in our personal lives, whereas ordinarily and without psionics, we exist for the most part as pawns in a rather unfeeling cosmos, or at least it can feel that way. Um, so essentially, we have the tools for creating prosperity with psionics. We, you know, we can um, uh, prevent the extremities of hardship in life, such as poverty, with a little practice and commitment. Um, we can smooth out the cracks in a love relationship, uh, business partnership, or any kind of family and friends relationships. We can manifest job openings with psionics where there were none before. Uh, we can also 
given some of us who have a little more free time to work with psionics, we can influence new breakthroughs and discoveries in science uh, by using psionics to project either into the future something or imbuing or bestowing powers to a scientific body or an engineering company. Um, you might not receive the credit for doing such things, but you can make the world a better place by helping other people make these breakthroughs maybe even faster with certain sigils and magic that we can work with, uh, which benefits society. And you're helping other people who might be unaware of your intervention, but, you know, I'd be happy to have free energy without getting all the credit for its discovery, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, uh, of course, a really great time to bring up a point about how psionics changes who we are spiritually and philosophically. Um, the, I, I think I have a quote somewhere I'd like to read to you about... Um, Let's see, it's a, it's a quote from a book called The Future of Metaphysics. It was printed back in 1970. And there's a part of this book that's an essay in regard to metaphysics and values. And uh, so I think psionics might change our values a bit. Do you mind me reading that quote? Not at all. Please do. Oh, okay. And I quote, The growing complexity of the modern world with its science technology, and industry confused many people to such an extent that they had to cry out for some clarifying vision of the whole, and particularly for what in this whole is still unquestionably valuable. On the other hand, religion as well as metaphysics seem to be unable to point to a foundation upon which such a vision could be grounded. It is in the face of this desperate situation that many philosophers have tried to found values without any appeal to religious or metaphysical a priori, end quote. I believe psionics could in some way be that new foundation upon which such a vision of the whole might be grounded because psionics has the potential to put the individual into direct contact with the things or concepts that the individual is concerned with. Um, you know, therefore, like the exploration of things which have value to the individual are now within that person's reach, depending, of course, upon the amount of regular practice that individual is willing to invest in his or her machines and instruments. And so by extension, we will no longer think in terms of uh, blaming the external authorities for not giving us a clear picture of the meaning of our existence. I'm talking about humanity as a whole, uh, because we will have the tools to look for these answers in the peace and privacy of our own homes with our very own machines. You know, whether we are exploring reality with our wishing machines or perhaps with our prayer board instruments, it will be entirely up to each person and to each person his own findings. So I think psionics changes life for a lot of people. We're, we, if we're, you know, let's say uh, 
if you're a Christian and you're working with the Miraculous Prayer Board. I think that this instrument can help you uh, achieve a more direct relationship with your belief system rather, you know, versus um, having someone preach to you. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with preaching. There's a, there are people who study uh, uh, scripture and have a lot of knowledge. I'm just saying that uh, we can be more intimate with these instruments, uh, whether we're a Buddhist or um, uh, a follower of some other religion or if, if we have no particular religion at all. I think psionics puts that um, power and possibility and potential back into the hands of the average person. So we can then explore, have our own findings, and build that relationship with this, what I call the cosmic all, that we're all experiencing from different points of view. Um, and um, I mean, that, that kind of goes back to what you were talking about, my um, uh, having lived around the world um, and uh, traveling to different countries, going to international school, and uh, uh, being exposed to so many different points of view and, and uh, different types of people from around the world, you know. Oh, yeah, I, I agree entirely. And it's funny, over the years, I'm sure that you have educated thousands and thousands of people about psionics and radionics, terms they may have never even heard of until they, they met you or came into contact with you. And the same goes for me. I mean, I've educated thousands and thousands of people. There are lots of other people out there who are doing the same. And I wonder if these thousands of people, maybe even more, maybe millions of people, it's hard to say, if, if, if they're all sort of sitting there quietly in their own home working on, on an agenda and they don't even realize that their agenda is reinforcing another psionic practitioner's agenda and, and for all we know we're kind of working as this quiet wave of influence and we don't even realize it but that said there are many different ways you can utilize radionics and psionics in order to match like you said your belief system or your comfort level or whatever but there is one thing that I think is especially fascinating that has a tendency to frighten some people and you okay. mentioned it earlier. Uh, you were talking about uh, servitors, minions. Um, that one of your books I have right here in my hands. I love it. Your books are so in-depth and well and well written and uh, so comprehensive. It's Psionic Robot: An Artificer's Guide to Anthropomorphic Constructs. Now you know I I use minions or servitors or you know, it's similar to the concept of the golem. I, right now, I'm in my office, and I have sketches I've posted on the wall because they have a little artistic ability. Uh, sketches of uh, hypothetical beings that are going to go out into the world and help me with a certain task. Um, but what's your take on the concept of uh, the servitor and, and why that this uh, has a tendency to intimidate some people and, and, and how they are to be... Uh, created and used responsibly. I see. Wow, that you know that's um, that's really um, a lot of questions in one <laughs> sentence. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I understand, especially uh, for people who are coming from a background where they're curious 
but they haven't really been working with magic. Um, all, you know, for all I've been working with magic for, um, gosh, I don't know, like 30 years. And prior to that, um, when I was uh, before, sometime before the age of 10, I was already learning basic meditation and uh, trance meditation from my mother, who taught me. She was actually my first teacher there. Um, so for me, uh, this has all been very comfortable. There have been times where I've um, I've been more cautious because, as I've mentioned, the encounter with an entity, which um, seemed to be doing me some kind of harm. So there is always that risk, and that's why I I explored various kinds of systems before I developed my own. Um, as I was saying before, the Western idea of grimoires and working with various sigils, uh, you, you know, in theory it could be dangerous because um, if people are working with rituals where they're summoning something, you know, there's the old saying, never conjure up what you can't put down. But uh, for the most part, in my workings with magic, I really haven't come into any problems with uh, spirits or servitors. Uh, the the problems that I had were before I even started magic. So I think um, magic kind of scares off some of these entities because they know that you might have the knowledge of how to suck them up, bottle them up, and keep them there and say, now you're mine. So it does put you a lot of, it does put a lot of power into the individual individual's hands uh, having some knowledge and actual experience and practice with it. So I wouldn't be afraid of um, working with entities. It doesn't mean that I would rush into a situation like a haunted house without some respect and preparation or having uh, a mentor go with me into such a situation because I, I, I absolutely know that spirits, entities, um, these sort of things, demons and things, they're real. But for the most part, when we're working with patterns, um, sigils, we're um, tapping into things that might be called egregores, which are highly complex or powerful thought forms or what people might call God forms. So these are basically, they're created from the minds of other people who spend time uh, putting these together and believing putting their faith energy into it, that this is something that exists. Anything that we think about with enough concentration or maybe even passion, emotional energy, is going to have some kind of effect on the energy plane of existence, on the astral plane, um, on the mental plane. Um, so these things, um, they are part of us already. We are creating servitors when we're children talking to our imaginary friends. So it, you might say that working with servitors is already really natural. We do it when we're kids. You know, there's the, um, the marshmallow man or, or uh, uh, the Easter bunny, uh, Santa Claus, whatnot. These are all uh, basically servitors of some kind or a minion. There's, I wouldn't uh, say that these are things to be afraid of. We do it all the time. Um, I suppose in some belief systems there's, there are taboos against working uh, with magic for various reasons. 
Um, but that might actually be a way of really keeping people in a control system so that people don't really realize how much uh, power that they have to change their own lives. Uh, we've seen that for an age and an age, really, right? Um, sure. But what was your other question? I'm sorry. Well, you know, I think that was just the, the gist of it. I mean, um, the idea of whether or not it is okay to try to work with these servitors. And I, I don't think that any anybody can say for sure how much of a servitor or a minion is you and how much is something out there that's attracted to this opportunity you create. Uh, but, you know, that's probably a little too in-depth for for this particular interview. That could be its, its whole own show. Um, oh, but then you... you yeah. Yeah, Sorry. what's that? Uh, now I was going to say, you've probably read uh, Michael Talbot's book, The Holographic Universe, then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, great yeah you could get there. into some heavy psychology about what's what um, and, you know, different levels of consciousness. Um, yeah, yeah. I, and, I and for somebody who's listening, to, and, and to somebody who doesn't even know what we're talking about here, I mean, um, I did a podcast probably in 2018 all about minions and I even gave some simple instructions on how to create them and it's a you know it, it, it again it goes back to the idea of chaos magic sometimes you don't need to go that far I think you I think minions only work well for you if you have a good imagination and a lot of these other techniques that we talk about don't require a great imagination it's more about having a sense of feeling your environment and and uh, and interacting with your environment on a more organic level um, but nonetheless uh, when you deal with any of these options your slogan is Keep the magic high. That's your motto, I should say. Um, yes, so it is. What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean by keep the magic high? That's an excellent question, Joshua. You know, there are some people who think I'm referring to high magic, whereas for your listeners, uh, those who don't know, magic is sort of divided between low and high in the traditional systems, whereas low magic would refer to... Uh, you know, uh, witchcraft, um, working with herbs and stones, or it could have to do with sorcery, which would, you know, it might also be called lot casting, where they read the bones. And these sort of things would fall into the category of low magic, whereas high magic uh, would fall into the category of doing extensive rituals, usually as part of some kind of order like the hermetic orders uh, of like the, gold, the Temple of the Golden Dawn and so on, uh, the real Aleister Crowley kind of stuff. But uh, when I say keep the magic high, I'm referring to the classical um, occult teachings of great minds like William Walker Atkinson who are essentially saying, if you practice focused concentration on one object, then all other abilities sort of open up for you. And I've found this to be true in my case by focusing on one object or one idea extensively to the absolute disregard of all else or to the best of my ability that it does 
open up the other faculties I, for existence, not to go off on a tangent here, but by practicing focused concentration extensively and then also by doing some other um, intuitive games, I was able to bring up the on-screen keyboard on a few different devices without touching uh, these uh, uh, handheld computers just by looking and thinking at the machine. Uh, and this, was, uh, this is something that's possible to do after training up a certain week. The problem is that this power doesn't ordinarily stay with us. We have to keep the magic high. That means we have to make some level of commitment to regular practice. And it's like anything else. If you're taking, um, like I used to take Kung Fu Sansu, which is more of a street, um, a street fighting style martial art. Uh, I went twice a week, and by committing to some practice, I was able to move up through the various uh, color belts. Um, keeping the magic high essentially means um, always testing ourselves, um, working hard to make sure that we do have that focused concentration so that we can actually make real results happen out in the world. I mean, there are some things that we can do um, passively with uh, radionics or wishing machines, and uh, the cosmic all can make these things happen for us. But we're, when we do that, we're working with, um, how do I say that? We're, we're working with whatever the essence is that we put on the machine, such as if we, if we were to write down, uh, how about that example from your, your film, Wishmaster's uh, the, the movie, uh, there's an example in that film where we, we take a radionic box and write down on a piece of paper, I want more money, and then we attach a dollar bill to the machine. Well, um, or we put it on the input of the machine and turn some dials, and we wait to see what happens. Uh, the thing is, when we do do that, um, I, I think what Charles Cosmano was trying to explain is essentially we're, we're taking a numeric representation for our wish. And that's, that's, that's fine. But one of the things which could happen we're, when we're doing that is we're also taking a rate for whatever that dollar bill has been through. So if that dollar bill had been in the hands of, like, say, a bank robber or a murderer who, you know, mugged some guy and he had held on to that dollar bill, you know, it, it could carry some of that energy along with it. So I try to emphasize to people to first make sure you really know what you want and then decide upon what you want to do and then have the patience to see it manifest. Because if you can do those two things, uh, focus on what you want and then have the patience to wait for those results, then you're going to see manifestation work for you so much better down the long road. And it only gets better because it's sort of like, you know, it's like a rolling snowball. Uh, the better that you get at the routine, the better results start to work for you down the road there. So keep the magic high is, is basically saying, you know, it's like going to the gym, doing a workout. Uh, make sure that you do your focused concentration. Yeah, okay, well, that makes perfect sense to me. It's a wonderful message, and uh, a lot of people 
are working with you around the world every day, keeping the magic high. Tell us more about the Vrilok Club. Oh, yeah, the Vrilok Insiders Club. It's also called VOCUS. Uh, that stands for Vrilok Occult Concentration Universal System. Uh, it's a psionics and magic multimedia library. That means um, we have you know, audio, audio logs, um, e-documents, elective files for people who want to study different types of magic. Uh, I have how-to videos. And then I also have a coaching system, which is essentially a text messaging system. And uh, I do not have a social network inside of the club for certain reasons. Uh, it primarily to make sure that people stay focused on the material. Um, and the kind of people who come into my club very extensively from all around the world. I mean, from many countries, from uh, you know, from India to uh, France and uh, Canada, uh, England, and the United States, primarily. Uh, and for the most part, we have a body of club members who usually are looking for support with uh, personal life struggles, usually due to two factors. Either um, they have someone that's making their life very difficult. It could be relatives, spouses, coworkers, uh, employers with um, perhaps mental illness or spiritually devoid, corrupt people, um, or, or, or maybe they're people who've lost their focus on what is most important in their lives, um, you know, in order to get to the next level where they want to be in life. And they might just need a little uh, reminder of what to focus their magic on. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, for example, the... Uh, girlfriend or boyfriend who you who you want to get married to, but who is treating you pretty bad, maybe, and, and, and let's say you're not in a real good financial situation yourself, maybe you might want to put your focus into building up your financial situation and working on your life first before you work the radionics or the um, wishing machines or miraculous prayer board to, uh, you know, build that uh, romantic relationship up. Maybe sometimes people need to work on uh, their personal life first. And so far, two years in running this program, we've had numerous successes. Um, I could talk about what qualifies me as a, a mentor coach to uh, other people experiencing these kind of problems, if, if, uh, if you're interested yeah, sure. in that. Absolutely. Um, I think... Um, I've shared some of these personal life experiences. Um, I was kind of uh, slow to get started in life, you might say. And uh, I was kind of the rebel, um, outlaw kind of kid for, for a little, little too long, I, I would say. Um, and so I fit into both categories myself of, of, of the types of problems people might be having. Um, but I've managed to pull out of being distracted by um, the miscellaneous desires and develop my focus on what is important to achieve the next step in my life. Um, also, I ultimately understand the difficulty of dealing with people who are either spiritually disruptive or mentally disturbed. Um, I mean, I could write a series on the topic, uh, but... 
like most people, I would prefer to get as far away from ill-minded people as I can. But unfortunately, this is not always an option for people, especially these days. And um, more often, it is very difficult for folks to uh, escape the trappings of other people that they're involved with. Um, because in some cases, these people uh, might be possessive. Uh, it could be obsessive people or dominating characters. Uh, other reasons might have to do with uh, economic situations, uh, lack of options for relocating or getting a better job. Whereas um, uh, I was talking about psionics can help manifest job openings where there were none. So that's always an option to look at. Um, so club members might, you know, message me in the club and ask me some questions about how do I do that, and I could answer them, and so on. Um, maybe uh, people have a bad marriage, or um, they might be stalked by an ex-spouse, uh, ex-boyfriend, or girlfriend. And, you know, these are tough times for people. Um, it's nice to be part of a club where we can look into the alternative arts and magic technology to manifest options which can help us to resolve some of life's great challenges, for which there are many. Um, that is why I'm here directing this club, and, it, and you know, I am here to help people take advantage of an often overlooked secret that we call psionics. And you so do it, a great job. Yeah. I know how much that uh, you spend a lot of time working with people and answering their questions, and you know that's one of the, the the things that I think is so wonderful about what you do is uh, so many of us in this day and age are rush, 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 and we don't have much time to sit down and write more than a few sentences to somebody when they when they shoot you an email or whatever. But if you can go to the the Vrilot Club and and take your time and explain your situation you'll have real help there to sort of explore all of these different avenues of manifestation. And so you're providing a valuable service there. And, you know, Tom, we're almost out of time, so please take as much time as you'd like right now to tell everyone anything you'd like about yourself, your projects, whatever you'd like to promote. Uh, the floor is yours. Okay. Um, well, there are so many different areas I could talk about, whether it's the Verloc character, uh, why I use a comic book style approach, um, and so on. And, and of course, that's uh, the quick answer to that is to make uh, this fun and easy for people to understand psionics, because psionics can become a very complicated subject of study. Um, but I think uh, people might be more interested in knowing what they can do with psionics. I know I mentioned a few things, but, uh, you know, obviously we know what men can do with psionics. You know, uh, we sort of have that comic book image in mind when we see Verloc of the ambitious supervillain thumbing some controls and uh, tuning his gadgets to influence the world. But I think people overlook what psionics can do for the ladies. You know, happiness and prosperity is real important for everyone, everyone, whether you're a man or a woman. And I think in my personal experience, um, women want to feel happiness day in and day out. I mean, ask any woman and she'll tell you 
that she wants to be surrounded by people who love her. And women might crave assurance of love. Um, some women need to be reassured that those around them love being around them. Assurance of happiness and being appreciated. Psionics can do this for women. So I don't have very many women in my club. We have some, but we definitely like to open up the doors to more um, ladies joining the club because psionics works for anyone and any age range as well. I think that safety is another area of psionics that people might be interested in. Um, everyone needs a little extra reassurance of being protected. Um, safety of the community and other people. We can do a lot for communities with our Miraculous Prayer Board. There are many methods to this. Um, uh, so I would usher people into my club to learn about all of the methods. I've uh, written extensive documentation, audio logs, and how-to videos on the topic. Um, we don't want safety just for ourselves, but uh, and not just for people that we like, but the majority of people need some assurance of safety as well. Um, society has become a dangerous place, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, recuperating losses, that's a big one. Nobody likes to simply lose and not have insurance. Uh, people love their friends like they love their flower gardens. We don't want to lose the happiness that we have. Uh, Children are treasures. Not everybody likes children, I understand, but if, you know, if nobody was making kids, uh, there wouldn't be anybody populating the planet. You know? uh, so children are treasures to some people. People don't want anything bad happening to their kids. Psionics can help you there. There's lots of things we can use psionics as protection, prevention, and defense. Uh, the magic of psionics gives us a lot more control over perchance disasters. It means we can look down the road and sort of balance out anything that could go wrong and give us that extra reassurance that most likely nothing will go wrong. You know, when we send our kids off to school, um, if our spouse has to travel through a, a rough part of town to get to work, psionics can help you with that. And, you know, basically in general, making sure that the various difficulties in life don't overrun our daily lives. Uh, you know. And of course, we could talk about offense and defense, but that is really going to get into um, a, a whole other area. Psionics, um, I believe, is the future of magic. It's here right now. We are pioneers on the shores of new opportunity and new, uh, just a new exploration of magic like never before. Um, and, and it's always evolving. People are coming up with new ideas all the time. Um, you're not, like you mentioned earlier, um, you tend to view me as a sort of a chaos magician. And for people who might not understand what that is, it's, it's basically a magician who is creative, who's not following a stringent uh, system that's been created by someone else. In other words, we don't have to show up at a temple and uh, you know, uh, worship any kind of entities. We can work with creative magic and then, of course, the, um, the basic discipline of focused concentration. So Yeah, 
Well, that's very well said, very well said. And, uh, and of course, we want everybody to know that the portal to your work, is, it's, it's Vrilock.com, right? That's the starting point, right, Tom? Yes, V-R-I-L-O-C-K.com. Okay, well, Tom, unfortunately, the clock has got us, but your work is fascinating. I love the exciting mythos you're creating around techno-shamanism and psionics. Uh, your work is truly groundbreaking. Thank you for being in my short film, Wish Masters, which, again, can be seen for free at wishmastersmovie.com. Tom's website is vrilock.com. That's V-R-I-L-O-C-K, vrilock.com. And you can see my version of the Miraculous Prayer Board in the Curiosity Shop at joshuapwarren.com. Tom will be working on many more projects in the future, my friend. So, wow, congratulations on all your success, and thank you for being on Joshua P. Warren Daily. Thank you, Joshua, for having me. It's always my pleasure to speak with you. All right, there you have it, my friends. The psionic wizard, Tom Vrilock. You really do need to go to vrilock.com and just explore his world. And, I mean, it's all there, whether it's books, videos, uh, interactive, multimedia. I mean, whatever you prefer. You know, he's got audio books. Uh, he has a podcast. I mean, whatever is going to make this easy for you and fit into your life seamlessly, uh, there is a way for you to embrace this international community of groundbreaking magicians and practitioners that, uh, that he is spearheading. So um, just keep in mind now, if you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, you'll find a lot of cool stuff that you can explore there. But if you click the link to this podcast, called Joshua P. Warren Daily. You'll find that, uh, well, it's always short. It's always free, commercial-free, independent, uncensored. You can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I usually tweet when a new one is available. So that is it for this particular podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.